if truly a Beauty and the Beast retelling, does that make Resand Gaston? <laughs> That's hilarious. I have no idea. I've never seen anybody bring that up, but <laughs> yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Hey, get in here. Hey, you. No, get in our room. Yeah, you, come here. Come on, come on, come in. Come on, get in our room. Welcome to another week of Get in Our Room. She's Kristen. And that's Bobby. And we are finally filming this. Hopefully with no issues. <laughs> because it's pretty- Fingers crossed. It's pretty early for us, um, especially Kristen. What was it? Father's Day? Father's Day, two author interviews. Time jobs. Full-time jobs and technical glitches. We're filming. Yeah, man, that was rough yesterday. It was. We're filming three days late. We're giving this another college try here. <laughs> so, But man, it feels empty in here today. I know. There's nobody here. It's empty in our room. We don't have to... Uh, Slightly less stressful, but it's, it's, I did really enjoy having both, um, Lucy Smoke and Trillina Pucci on. It was yes. a blast. Two excellent author interviews. Go check them out if you haven't already. Yes. And then obviously check out all of their books because they're fantastic. They were fantastic. All right. So this week I read two books. In four days. And they're both by Allie Hazelwood. <laughs> because I'm obsessed. Um, I read both Love on the Brain and Love Theoretically. Allie is a author who writes about STEM romance rom-coms. And they're freaking fantastic. Uh, I cannot say enough good things about Allie and her writing and her humor and her wit. And she's so smart and she puts really smart things in. And then she also does these little dabs of academia political stuff. And I think it's really fascinating because though I'm in the STEM, I'm in the engineering side and I'm not in academia, I'm in industry. So it is really fun to see things from the academia side because it's wild. Like I knew it was wild, but like it's wild. What kind of wild? Any, can you tell us anything without spoilers? Yeah, like you think about like different types of doctorate degrees, right? Like actual doctors and how they have to go through like uh, residency and like work their way up and do all this stuff. There's something what I will call similar in academia, but you're doing it through like a postdoc or you're getting grants for money for your labs to do all these studies. And um, it's really chaotic and cutthroat. And then you rely a lot on your mentorship and your um, like the of the person helping you get through your doctorate and stuff. And it's all about connections and who you know and stuff like that. I will say, life is about who you know, right? Yeah. It's hardly ever about what you know. Yeah. So 
network away people <laughs> advocate for yourself is what i say me don't be scared to go yeah. talk to somebody advocate for yourself what did you be i can i can agree with that but i'm never gonna go do it <laughs> <laughs> fair enough um bobby has ruined my life by introducing me to sarah j mass so <laughs> i am currently working through throne of glass series i'm on the third book, Air of Fire, and I'm addicted. I love this main character so much better, this female main character, so much better than Feyre. <laughs> yeah, which is great because today we're actually talking about Akatar, um, some Akatar theories and one-star reviews of A Court of Thorns and Roses. So it's good so where who do you meet who are some of the characters you're meeting in air of fire remind me um so we went, met um rowan white thorn Ron thorn rowan white thorn yeah <laughs> we met rowan um so this is, is we this, finally met is she like at the camp in the mountains yes yeah fuck yeah <laughs> Yeah. And I guess technically we met Aline. Yeah. Elaine. We've known her all. Yeah. I don't know how much to say without spoilers. Elaine. Um, we can just say that we met Elaine. Elaine. Yep. Elaine? Not Elaine? Mm. <laughs> I thought it was Elaine. I watched, I, look, I, I read the either. books last August and I watched a video on how to pronounce all the names. <laughs> of course you did <laughs> on youtube and i don't know if i'm saying it right because it's been a while i have just been making up pronunciations in my head what's the sister in <laughs> that's fair what's the sister in akatar because there's nesta Farah, elaine 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 and elaine is i think what they are Elaine, Elaine and Elaine. Elaine. I mean, they're not they're not spelled similar in any capacity. Maybe I'm just pronouncing just... one wrong. But I mean, I mean, you're the one that watched the you're the one that watched the video on how to properly pronounce them, and I'm like, I don't know, Bobby. Are you sure? Are you sure that's correct? <laughs> but it's been a year ago, so like, ten months. So you don't let me just interrupt your expertise with my opinion. <laughs> mediocre white man today <laughs> that's the kind of energy i'm bringing in with all of the names i'm about to pronounce that's okay i came in really hot this morning with Kristen, <laughs> so the moment we got on our video chat so i deserve all of this um so did you read anything else besides getting through air of fire or yes i also wrapped up um a cheaters game which is book like seven in the cj archer glass and steel series sweet and so that one's super fun um like a wild west group comes into london so mm -hmm. of course willie has a great time yep <laughs> <laughs> and she meets Johnson. annie oakley yep so good and then it's really it's really cute because at the end of the book cj the author's note is like i know the timelines don't technically match up Forgive me. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I was like, deal. 
Because I, mean, I, I didn't was like, think they did, but I wasn't going to look it up. <laughs> when I was reading, I was like, I don't think that's, I think this is too late for Aunt. Uh, and I did. I looked it up, but, you know, then I got to the back of the book. I was like, oh, she explains everything. Okay. I love it. I thought it was great. Take take all those liberties. It's your goddamn book. Why not? Yeah. Who's going to stop you? Well, as we're about to find out, one star reviews. <laughs> they got a lot to say. Yeah. So before we get into the main topic, I would just want to give a shout out to Lauren and Leisure for sending a really cute little... I don't know if you can hear my laundry, but that really long dinging noise is is my, my laundry. <laughs> it's me today, not Kristen. <laughs> it wasn't. I don't know what it is, man. Sunday at 10 o'clock, I want to put laundry in every week. I don't know why. Yeah, well, it makes sense. But I wanted to give a shout out to Lauren M. Leisure because I love her books. Uh, I haven't read the second one. It's not out yet. But Sin of Saints, and I'm on her street team to help promote her next book. And she had recently announced that she's uh, she doesn't have the date she's going to send it out, but she's going to do a novella on one of the characters. And it's going to be a novella that takes place before the first book even. And it's about Miles, who is this cute little gem on the sticker if you're watching. Miles is a character who we don't, in the first book we meet him, in the last probably 70% of the book, and or last 30% of the book rather. And he has this gilded Rams mask on that he never takes off, so we never have seen his face yet. And it gets revealed in the next book. Um, and there's some like 20 days until uh, the next book comes out, and I cannot wait. Are you going to put that sticker on anything? No, probably not, because I have this thing where I love stickers, but... I'm, like, too attached to them, and I don't know what to put them on because I'm scared I'm either going to lose it <laughs> or it's going to, like, I'm going to grow out of it. So, like, right next to me in this drawer in this desk, I have just a pile of stickers. <laughs> like. Do you ever look at them or is it just, like, don't touch them, don't get your finger oil on them? No, I look at them all the time. Like, and when I tell you pile... This is what I can grab. <laughs> There's still some that I can't grab because they're like scattered about. Yeah, like a whiteboard or I think I should probably chalk wall. I should probably get no, I don't have any of that. <laughs> I live in a house. Um I that's not true. We had a whiteboard and a chalk chalkboard growing up in our house. But um I thinking about you know how people do those beer coaster things with yeah I think I'm gonna do that with stickers I like that yeah That'd be a great idea yeah I think I'll do that like in resin uh I wasn't thinking resin I was thinking like the frame things like how I have this wall oh like that yeah, yeah, so, like, you put them in the frame and you stick them. Because then I could just put some, like, little putty on the back and stick them so I don't actually have to, like, stick them. <laughs> so, so I'm still saving them if I ever do want to put them on something. So Poppy's going to put double-sided sticky tape on the back so that she doesn't have to use the double-sided sticky tape that it comes with. <laughs> 
I like it. All right. Yeah, man, do you. This is who I am as a person. This is how my brain works. <laughs> Welcome to the mind of Bobby Joe. <laughs> it's fun pulling the curtain back a little more each week. I make no sense. <laughs> I know. It's interesting, though, but you're, it's a good point, because if you put your stickers on something, they're obviously going to get ruined. They're not meant to mm -mm. Nope. last. Nope, they're not. How do you feel about people that put them on their water bottles and then they get like scratched off and stuff? Does your heart break for those stickers? I mean, a little bit, but here's the thing. I love looking at people's water bottles with stickers on them. It's, it's like, it's like tattoos. Like I love looking at people's tattoos. Like I'm not staring at you because I think anything about you. I'm staring at you because you probably have a sleeve and I'm like, what's going on? What do you got on your sleeve or your like your leg sleeve or your arm sleeve or whatever it is that's probably why i'm staring at you so i'm just looking at the water bottles tattoos <laughs> yeah but how do you feel when you see rip stickers on other people's water bottles gives me a little bit of anxiety like on my uh one phone i have one of i did put stickers on the back of it but like the one is a sticker i can get more of very easily it's my friend's record store the other one is a sticker that I got when we were in Hanalei, Kauai, and I put it too close to the edge, and so the one side, like, I can feel it, like, so I'm very careful about not pulling on it or anything. Nice. Yeah. All right. That was quite the rabbit hole for stickers, but um, we found our way out and back to the main topic. <laughs> before, yeah, before we jump in, because I do want to get into the main topic here, this week in Grapevine, Texas is Book Bonanza. And our last week's guest, Trelina Pucci, is going to be there. And you have to be paying attention to her stories and her posts because somewhere around noon Pacific time, uh, she is going to be announcing a really, really awesome, amazing opportunity for her readers. So be sure to follow her check her out and you know be on your on instagram on friday to hear what she has to say because it's amazing it's an amazing opportunity and i think it's a really great thing um for her to be doing for her readers so it's i hope i'm using this word correctly ironic um that this one weekend she'll be in texas and i'll be in california yeah, that's she's, she's originally in California. Yep, that's that is. And funny. then I'm originally in Texas. You're switching places. And I was like, "Damn, that sucks." <laughs> <laughs> Not really. I'm going to see my brother. It's going to be so much fun. But <laughs> and I wasn't going to book Bonanza, anyways. Yeah. But also, I was watching Trulina's live last night, and she has 25 copies of not so lucky that she will be giving away at book bonanza 25 each day that she'll be giving away to the first 25 people that come in and she'll do a little signature and everything hell yeah so um obviously chalina is amazing huge fan yeah we just fangirl fan. over her she's very authentic very high energy <laughs> um her writing is fantastic and not so lucky is truly hilarious mm -hmm. like i think i think it's hard to push comedy in written form um and i think she does a great job so i would highly recommend go check it out yeah agreed 
And then that one scene. Anyways. That one scene. The scene. The filthiest <laughs> scene I've ever read in my freaking life. So. Um, on to a bit more serious topic. You came across a fairly interesting, was it a TikTok? So I came across this really interesting theory on reels and I went back to look for it. Oh, yeah. And I, I cannot find it anywhere on her page. And so this is at Books and Writing. She made this post talking about how she doesn't really think that Cassian and Nesta are mates. And she used some really intriguing commentary around Nesta and Eris and them dancing at the night court. Also, you guys, there's gonna be a shit ton of spoilers. So just like, if you haven't read Agatar, come back later. Eris, she uses these points about Eris and Nesta, and it, they're pretty intriguing and fascinating, and I was thinking about it, and I am inclined to agree a little bit about some of the things that she says, because we, if you go back to the, the dresser drawers, I think we got really distracted by how much we love Cassian and how cinnamon roll he is and how the book is called Silver Flames and they keep talking about Nesta's flames. And but the the flames that were painted on her dresser drawers, if those are really like a foreshadowing of what ends who they each end up with, um I find it interesting that they're they're orange, orange and yellow flames. Also find it interesting that Nesta was adamant that they also get married in the traditional way instead of just the mating. We also never, and these are all things that books and writing points out too. We also never get, like, you know how Resan snaps into place? Like, and he's startled and he leaves. We never get that same thing with with Cassian because if you remember when the sisters went into the cauldron they Lucian you know Elaine came out and Lucian immediately was like she's my mate Cassian didn't say that and they played it off as like you know he was the smart one because he didn't want to traumatize and startle Nesta but I'm like or does it mean that it never actually happened also find it interesting because Resan is very big on the mating bond. And he is constantly telling Asriel to lay off of Elaine because she her mate is Lucian. In A Court of Silver Flames, Resand seems supportive of Eris coming involved in the group and i think there might be i have several theories as to why that could be and i'm i'm gonna get into them because i find them com compelling and interesting uh, but they contradict some other theories that are out there so resan ends up giving eris one of the blades that nesta forges and cassian's like disgruntled about it and there's something going on in that book that makes 
Resan trust Eris, right? They Eris and Resan have a secret together that Eris let him in his mind and he showed him something. So there's a theory that Moore and Eris are actually mated. And I don't know if that's true. What I think happened, and that's why he like when they disfigured Morgan and beat Morgan up and left her for dead and like stapled that note or nailed that note to her. I don't actually think Eris was involved. I think Eris knew it was going to happen and his other brothers did it. And I also think that Eris might be the spy master for his father because he's very like, he's very sneaky and he's very reserved and he always has a mask on. He's very good at it. I think he knew it was going down and he got a message to Asriel to find more to save Moore's life. But I also think that he knew that Morgan is gay and didn't want to trap her into this love, like this, this mate, this mating or this sold marriage. And so I think he knew it was going to happen that she was going to get assaulted by his his siblings and he went and he found Azrael, told got word to Azrael so Azrael could find her and save her. And then I think that that is part of the secret where Rot Resan trusts Eris is because he's showing him like what happened, how he found out about it, and how he went and he told Azrael. And then I also think that there's a strong possibility that Eris and Nesta are mates because of their interaction when they're dancing. And Nesta wouldn't know what the mating bond feels like. Feyre didn't know. Feyre had no idea. She was around Resan for months and had no idea that that tug that she was feeling was a mating bond. There is no description of that tug or that knowing your mate is in trouble with Cassian and Nesta. Um, that's all super interesting. I'm curious because everything's different with Nesta. Um, so she is, right, she was too mentally strong for, like, the glamouring. Is that what it's called? Glamouring? Yeah, glamour. Uh, um, like, right, she saw right through that. She took from the cauldron. So what if the flames, and now granted they're orange and red, but... That also means that, like, that, if if uh, Feyre had drawn silver flames, nobody would have known what those were, right? But I think in Nesta's case, I think it's more about herself and not necessarily her mate, right? Like, kind mm -hmm. of finding herself. Mm -hmm. um, just because she's very different from all of the other characters. And it'd be much more interesting, like, as we talk about this mating bond... It's only between males and females, right? So, like, the Morgan couldn't have a mating bond with a female? I think that's trash if that's true, but he, theoretically, like, the mating bond is to mate. So you need male-female genetics to do that. So, very also, boring there. Very also, boring. I want to publicly bring up a scene in the book in, in Akawar that bothers me to this day <laughs> it's at the end when morgan goes to her estate that nobody knows about and she's riding her horse that nobody knows about and something is in the woods looking at her 
something is in the woods looking at her and this nobody totally forgot about that nobody talks about this scene at all not any of the theory pages like speculas and speculations not a court of thorns and rosies i've never heard them talk about it and i am sitting here like can somebody talk about this scene because this has there's something there there's something there and i know it and i'm like what is it who's looking at her how like morgan is truth she knows something's there she knows it's powerful she says it but and she but she says she, yeah she also like can't figure out the energy if it's she's like it's bad but it's not bad and i'm like is that her mate is she channeling that her mate is hiding and looking at her and they're somewhat malevolent but she knows because they're mated it's not gonna hurt her so she's conflicted or is it like what is it what is it maybe There's, it's not her mate and then they never talk about it again it's never, never brought up again it's never it's never even mentioned that she rides horses again is it uh she travels on her horse she travels to different courts oh. on her horse i think if i remember it is just the most random tiny scene at the end of the book and it's it's never brought up in any context ever again. And it drives By Sarah J. Mass or any of, like you said, any of these uh, influencers. I, influencers? Personalities? Uh, I would just say, like, I think they're just fans, like, theor theorist fans, you know? Does Sarah J. Mass, does her fans have any special names? Like the masochists or anything? <sighs> I think there's something, <laughs> but I just know the Massiverse, right? Like the the multiverse. Ah, uh, the Massiverse. There it is. But that's for that's, the universe that's, that's she's creating. Nice. Yeah. And then the other thing is, Paige sent me this video from seven years ago where she's talking about seven and six years ago. There's two interviews in it, and she's talking about connecting these books, and <sighs> she brings up how she's talking about the the Illyrian bat. Uh, wings and how they're like yeah they're like membrous they're like and she mentions their demon wings for sorry i got distracted for the baby for just illyrians for in general yeah oh i mean that makes sense yeah it's gonna as you keep reading your series it's gonna make more sense <laughs> <laughs> I lost my goddamn mind. Uh, you, give me a, you give me a lot of credit there, but um... I talked to Paige on the phone for an hour about uh, Massaverse theories because she's almost she's reading the second book of Crescent City right now, so like I can talk to her about more stuff. And I just and she was like, yeah, it was. Jake was like, I could Do hear you through the bathroom door. And I was on the other side of the house <laughs> in my bedroom. <laughs> Do all three, and I think I ask you this every time we talk about this, are all three, they're all three the same universe? All three the same <sighs> Maybe, maybe the same universe, but not really. She talks a lot about using string theory. So they're these worlds layered on top of each other. But it's not like a Game of Thrones thing where like, Aline is Feyre's great-great-great-grandmother. So, there's actually a book that's supposedly written, 
And it was supposed to come out a couple years ago. And it never came out. It's supposed to be like the genealogy of of her characters. And there's strong possibility that the reason that is on hold is because it has spoilers. Because I think... Okay, so... I think that the bone carver is not Nyx. Like, what Feyre seeing that little boy, he doesn't have fucking wings. He doesn't have wings. And we know Nyx has wings. And I think there's a very good possibility it could be a, another character from Crescent City, or it could be Dorian, a young Dorian. Because Dorian... Resand and this other character that you will eventually meet when you get to Crescent City are all described the same way with dark black hair, um, blue violet eyes, and gorgeous. And Team Dorian forever. Um, <laughs> Freaking love Dorian. Um, so I think it might actually be this other character from this other realm and it's at a pivotal and i think it's at a time where he a pivotal time in his life that they talk about in crescent city that has to do with um i think it's seeing the oracle and that's the age that you're seeing him at when he's talking to Feyre. why I don't know, but I also have a theory that I can't talk to you about either because you haven't read Crescent City that I think I think I know how characters are related. They're like co distant cousins. And I'm almost 100% positive that I'm I'm a I am accurate because the bone carver talks about a fey warrior, a female fey warrior to Feyre or maybe it's Nesta and Cassian when they go to see the bone carver. He talks about, no, it's Feyre and Cassian. And he talks about this Fey warrior who like decimated his land and like all of this stuff or was his champion or something like that. And I really need to reread these books again. And I think that that fey warrior is actually a very distant relative of the Archeron sisters. And it's on the mom's side. And I think that their mother may have had fey in her or was part fey. And she had a bargain and she broke a bargain. Because they talk about when you break a bargain that the magic will take from you. And not only did the mother die, but then they fell into deep poverty and they had all these bad things happen to them. And, and so I'm curious if that Fey warrior lineage is in, in Feyre's line, the Archeron line on the maternal side, because I know that like Nesta took power from the cauldron, but all of them have powers. And I know Feyre was given powers by the High Lords, but there's some things that Feyre can do, like harness all that power, right? Because like, why would a human turned Fey be able to be that powerful and be able to handle it, right? And they have all these power, and I'm like, they have to have Fey blood in them somehow to be able to manipulate and use all these powers that they were given slash took. 
And there's a similar thing happening and a couple interactions that happen in the first book of Crescent City that also make me believe the same thing. A similar thing, at least. <laughs> so I'll shut up about that now because I will spoil it for you. You can see the, the physical restraint it takes <laughs> like, <laughs> like to I not said, talk about it. I was like yell talking to Paige for an hour about all of this stuff last <laughs> night. So <laughs> let's jump into uh, those. Uh... We probably won't have time because once again, um, people that write one star reviews write paragraphs upon paragraphs of like, let me tear this apart. And like, they cite this book better than anybody else that's ever read it. People that, what yeah. is it? Haters are always watching you the closest. <laughs> what did yeah. I tell you this morning? Like those that can do, those that can't write reviews. Yes, yeah. those who can't write books write reviews. <laughs> <laughs> like, damn, y'all, pretty far in. So maybe just one each. Um. I want to hit on a couple of the highlight highlights of some of the ones that I read. So basically a lot of the one star reviews that I read, we're talking about how this is a poorly done beauty and the beast retelling. So I'm like, whoever marketed this as a beauty and the beast retelling really actually fucked up in hindsight because people are pissed about it being called a beauty and the beast retelling. Did J Mass ever say that it was a beauty and the beast retelling? I don't know because this book came out, uh, A Court of Thorns and Roses came out in 2016 and I was in college and the only thing I was reading were textbooks. So um, actually that's the year I graduated and I was doing my senior report. So I have no idea. Yeah, I was just curious because all of the reviews mentioned that, but I, and I get, but I don't think it's tied to that in any way. I, I don't know, because some Maybe of the older ones loosely? that I read, yeah, it's, like, loose, because he turns into a beast, but I just have a couple, like, highlighted portions. I'm not going to read all, because these are long. I'm not reading all of this for these people. I'm reading the highlights that I thought were funny. If, if truly a Beauty and the Beast retelling, does that make Resand Gaston? <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. I have no idea. I've never seen anybody bring that up, but. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. I think this person made a comment that I actually was like, huh, okay. So they're, they're talking about how they don't like it because it's a Beauty and the Beast retelling, and then they don't like Resan because he's greasy, crusty, dusty, musty old man. And then they talk about. <laughs> Um, second of all, if you have to rely on making one character a villain just to get people to like another character, that's bad writing. And I was like, but isn't that just like oh, no. creating tension and like, but I also am like, well, I get it. The, that does present a good question, though. If Tamlin was a more interesting character, I don't want to go so far as to say better written, but... If Tamlin was a better written character, would we still love Resand as much? I don't know. That book, Books and Writing Woman is like a total stand for uh, Tamlin and doesn't like Resand. Interesting. Yeah, I was like, I didn't know that existed, but I guess it makes sense. 
Because like when you, <laughs> I mean, you never got to any of the other books. <laughs> yeah, because when you start, like when you keep reading, you learn about how fucked up Tamlin's life is too. Like him and Rhysand have equally fucked up situations that had happened to them by each other's family. It's really sad and tragic. There's a lot of people that were mentioning how like writing male romantic interests being borderline abusive or just straight up abusive, it was traumatic to them. And I'm like, well, you don't like the books we like. <laughs> Do you think, because the other thing that they brought up was um, the borderline sexual assault of Tamlin on Feyre. Yeah, I Is read. Is that what that was? Yeah, that they were talking about that. Yeah. I didn't know. I guess maybe I don't remember that part or I didn't see it. What part are they talking about? I don't know if it's like when they were doing the Kalen Mai and he came back and he like threw her against the wall and bit her uh... and was like really aggressive with her. I don't know if that's it, but that's the scene that my mind went to um, because yeah. the first book is not spicy at all. It's it's a fade to black situation anytime, you know. Fade to black. And so, yeah. Interesting. Do you this... find... <laughs> Sorry. This one's funny. The beast here, because they were talking about how this is supposed to be a Beauty and the Beast retelling, and they're like, the beast here is a flutters eyelash non so mockingly. Pretty boy stuck in a pretty mask, and his only beastly side is that his ability to turn into a hairy wolf. And I, the only part I disagree with that is that he's not a hairy wolf. He's like seven different creatures all in one. And I was like, obviously they missed that part in that description, because he's got like horns and like claw and like all this stuff and i'm like he's not a wolf but that's still not wrong <laughs> it's not fucking beastly enough for me again she missed the to she totally missed the description <laughs> also go read like a a monster romance then <laughs> yeah for all though i unfortunately agree with a lot of these one star reviews, yeah, because I didn't um, like, the, I didn't love the first book. It it had me enough to want to read the second one, but it wasn't enough, like to love the first book. Yeah, but they all point out the same thing. A lot of them, anyways, of like, Feyre sucks as a character in the first book. I actually don't really like Feyre in any of them. I don't. Feyre's she's not my favorite out tough, of the Massiverse. She's a tough character to like and so i get it if you're looking for a, a strong interesting well-rounded female main character she ain't it <laughs> the one thing that i do love about Thera is her ability to and people were complaining about this like she's stupid because she keeps doing stupid decisions but when you look at the decisions she's making it's all because she cares about other people and she doesn't care for herself and that I think is actually something that is super relatable for a lot of women is that they're constantly putting others before themselves. And so I think Feyre is the perfect character to represent that that trait. Because I think I make a comment somewhere in here that is 
exactly that. Oh, yeah. So because someone brought up the riddle and how it was really easy to solve. And I'm being the devil's advocate saying she was illiterate. She also hasn't felt love in like literally her whole life. So how is she going to get that riddle when the answer's love and she hasn't felt it and she doesn't know how to read and she hasn't expanded her mind outside of survival. I was like, I don't even know if she truly loved Tamlin. So if she said it in in the carriage, I doubt it would have been able to break the curse anyways because magic would know if it was actually love or not. It's fairly interesting that you bring that up, that magic would know whether it was true love or not. But I don't know if she doesn't know would magic know i don't know that's such a because uh... it's like when people are lying but like if they think it's the truth it's their truth right whether yeah. it's true or not mm -hmm. and if you've only felt so deep true yep i don't know that's that's one of those um if a tree falls in a forest and nobody was around, doesn't make a noise. That's like one of those like mm -hmm. metaphorical things that you could go round and round for ever days. About. Yeah. Just on that one theory of like, yeah, if it wasn't true love, would it have broken the curse? But does she know what true love is? Yep. So yeah, a lot of the reviews were talking about how she sucked. And one of my favorite, I'm, I love dual point of view books like I'm huge on that so one of the one of my favorite reviews that I was like yes yes I agree I agree is the writing is from a single POV and written in the first person just having Feyre's POV is very limiting and prevents the book from building any sort of emotional or sexual tension and I was like that is a review for me <laughs> yeah I agree. These would have been a lot more fun. I mean, they would have been, what, four times as long if they did? Oh, yeah. <laughs> but that's why fan fiction exists, because there are a bunch of fan fictions out there from Rhysand's point of view, and they're freaking amazing. Um, like Illyrian... Yeah, I, I read some on here in our past episodes, so you should check those out, because they're really good. The other thing that I thought was funny, Kristen, is how... People keep, people keep talking about how the main character is Feyre is clueless and unintelligent and um, how she's constantly being saved. And I made this comment. I was like, Harry Potter was also constantly being saved. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, he gets out of so many situations because people, one, either set him up to be in that situation to help him get out of it or they figure out what's going on and they send in some type of help, like Fox with the sorting hat and the sword of Gryffindor. And like he never would have been able to kill the Basilisk and survive without those three items being sent to him. Like he would have fucking died in book three, two. In a lot of books, though, I can't think of any for examples, but the idea is like, you know, like Mulan having the dragon show up to save her. I mean, it was a lizard, but <laughs> right, like all of her, all of her ancestors got together to keep her safe. Like, I think the whole idea behind a lot of these books and a lot of these stories is that like you feel alone, but you're not actually alone, and people show up when you need them the most. And yep. I think, you know, that's what we all want to believe, right? Mm -hmm. Is that people will be there. 
Do you have any reviews with parts that you want to point out explicitly? I just like this one. <laughs> I just like the beginning of it. This book has been reviewed and eviscerated and praised to death already in lengthy reviews. So I'm not going to do that. And then it goes on to be like an eight paragraph, 10, 11, 11 paragraph review. I was like, oh my god, and it relates it back to freaking Game of Thrones. Uh, Game of Thorns? Game, Game of Thrones. There's one, like, the shortest one I read was, if you like this, good for you, but oh my god, I hated it so much. <laughs> that was like, that was the shortest one I read, and I was like, yep, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I like that, straight to the point. Dude, Why? Every single one of these. So this is more interesting than Facebook itself. Because one-star reviews are 10-plus paragraphs long. And they all have, like, 40-plus comments. Yeah, the interaction on Goodreads and Amazon for, for comment commentary about books is, <laughs> is some next-level shit. Like, it's like the Reddit of, you know... Women. I mean, there's some men on there too, but a lot of the ones that I read, the names and photos suggest that they're they're women. I think people truly go and leave these reviews are just like some of them are paid. I truly to... think if people leave a one star review, I think the reason they leave such a one long, such a long lengthy one star review is because they want to be like, look at how good of a writer I am. So that way you know I have a leg to stand on when I say I didn't enjoy this book. Because <laughs> they, they do. They try to get so flowery and fluffy with their reviews that I'm like, you just spent two paragraphs telling me about how long-winded Sarah J. Mass is, and you just spent two paragraphs saying the same thing over and over again, fairly long-winded. It's insane. It's absolutely insane. Yeah. My favorite review that I read, it was short, wasn't too long, and but the title was, I'm sorry, but this book was a dumpster fire. And then it goes on to talk about how uh, she read it because her friend was raving about it, but, and she thinks her expectations may have been too high going into it. And she talks about the first 70% just being this boring and super predictable, and then the last 30% is faster paced, but like frustrating. And she she literally says that the riddle that saves everyone would have taken Harry Potter 30 seconds to figure out if the Sphinx had if the Sphinx had asked him that. If anyone with half a brain could figure it out, but it took the main character three months only to figure out that it, at the exact last second she needed it. How convenient. And I was like, this is literally. I mean, all that makes sense in the world of writing to me, first of all. And again, what I'm saying about Harry Potter was saved a lot in the previous comment. And then also how she's illiterate, being the devil's advocate. Um, and but it, the review <laughs> the review ends with the book would have been better if she just died. <laughs> I was like, okay, well. There's one comment on here. The original review is from 2018. And then there's two notes. The commenter went back and added two notes into it in February and April of this year of being like, 
guys, I read this five years ago. Stop commenting on my review. (laughs) 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 And she commented again and she's like, guys, this is five years old. I'm not reading the next book. (laughs) I'm not reading the next book. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. That's hilarious. We went a little off the rails today. <laughs> we did. Just a touch. That's okay. That's what editing is I for. I loved it, though. I had so much... No, you can't edit it out. You gotta just... Not all of it. Some of it... I guess you're right. That's literally what editing is for. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, I'll shape it up. It'll be shaped up. Ship-shaped. It's... Uh, give us a... I mean, it is just more... I mean, it's morning. It's very early. And so... The sun's not even up here. The sun comes up so early here, and it was still, like, still light out at 10 o'clock last night. And then at 5 o'clock this morning when I woke up, it was light out. And I was like, this is not acceptable. (laughs) Come winter, I'll be like, why does it get so dark and stay so dark so long? (laughs) We'll flip it, but... I didn't even think about when I moved closer to the equator was that the sun is damn near 12 hours year round yeah very minimal changes and i was like damn cool (laughs) um we'll be back next week with something (laughs) uh if you have theories about akatar that you would like to share uh we would love to hear them try not to add too much in for kristen's sanity of crescent city um, or do and ruin it for her because she's a spoiler queen and you could do it back and it's great. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Joke's on you. I'm not even going to remember by the time I get to Crescent City. <laughs> that is true. She won't. So go ahead and spoil all of the things. And I want to hear your, your theories because I am completely fascinated and entranced by all of them. And I remember something, every time I talk to somebody or read something new, I remember something else that makes my brain just go a mile a minute in some direction. So thanks for joining us in our room this week. Um, And we'll be back next week with more stuff about books.